Right now, you're listening to the Azeem Digital Asks podcast, the podcast where I, Azeem, talk to some of the top marketers in the industry, find out everything about them, how they got to where they are today, and more importantly, sharing some really useful marketing tips that will help everybody listening to this become better marketers. Stay tuned for another great episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Azeem Digital Asks podcast. I am very excited to bring you my guest today, Corey Henk. He's a speaker, BI consultant, agency founder of Variable Media. He regularly drops knowledge bombs galore all over social media and more recently on Clubhouse. It should be an absolute crime, the number of Twitter followers he has. It should be about 10 times more. And what he doesn't know about YouTube is not worth knowing. So Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been amazing, man. Um, it was great to meet you. You know, Clubhouse, Twitter, Zim, man. Excited to be a part of the podcast, so I appreciate it. Very glad to have you on, my friend. And as I mentioned, always take time to listen to you sharing, not sharing, but dropping your knowledge bombs. Literally, I'm a simple man on simple media. If I see Corey, Clubhouse, YouTube, Susan, Joe, sign up, join, I'm there. It is the one. And then occasionally a wild Kirk will appear and drop some other knowledge as well. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, look, uh, for anybody who does not have the pleasure of knowing who you are, would you mind just giving a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, I'm a guy with probably about um, 12 to 13 years of experience. Um, I think I come from the Los Angeles agency, big ad network. I've gotten a great opportunity to work at you know Yahoo back when the you know, homepage was really crushing it. Um, but, you know, again, I think agency side is where I spent the majority of my career, um, currently started my own one based on, um, working at a small agency in Utah and just being able to garner a really good understanding of how to optimize creative on YouTube, but also drive performance with the platform. And so taking that knowledge and understanding, being able to combine it with a good data background, I think is what's helped me, um, really launch an agency and be successful. But that's really me, and um, I'm fueled by, you know, a great team too, so it's definitely not just me. Awesome. So yeah, I have the pleasure of being able to pick your brains on this episode, all about YouTube and data visualization as well. But I always start random icebreaker just to sort of break you into the show, and that one is going to be, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? We went through this the other day, and um, I don't know. I'd love to be able to read people's minds. That'd be a fun one, you know? Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not the usual flying or anything like that. <laughs> Being able to, you know, go through this world and see what people think and why people do what they do. It'd be very interesting, you know, to know their insecurities, right? Oh, I like that angle. I like that. I'm tempted to ask more, but surely, how would you switch off at night, ready, just about before you're to, about to go to sleep with all that knowledge? How would you switch off? Oh, so many questions. (laughs) But listen, let's fast forward. We're talking about YouTube and data visualization. So really interested for you to sort of share your knowledge, share your wisdom with the listeners. And for people that don't get to hear you speaking on Clubhouse and sharing your knowledge with some brilliant people. I wanted to start by asking about YouTube. So the first question I wanted to ask you is when you're recommending YouTube to people and to clients, What are the most common pushbacks that you hear from them? I think the number one pushback would be, um, I don't have the creative. 
And it's usually coming from somebody who has the creative, right? <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest disconnects that we've been seeing for a while, right, as, you know, the industry has just shifted, is just how creative and agency kind of get siloed. And so the creative sort of, I think for, uh, you know, a bigger advertiser might sit somewhere, it might be more focused on, you know, Facebook, or it might be more focused on TV because nobody necessarily builds for YouTube. And so it's like, oh, I don't necessarily have a YouTube creative. Well, you know, I don't think you've tested it yet. And so I think the number one thing is I don't have the creative. I think from a small business standpoint, they go, hey, I don't have the creative, but it's like, hey, I see video on your website. Like you have a YouTube channel. Like you have creative, like run that like as a, as a spot. Oh, that will never work. Okay. I don't think you know that, but it sounds like <laughs> somebody who kind of wants to, you know, cut up the video, maybe, maybe do something with it. It's okay. Go get a video editor. You know, let's, uh, let, let's add a few things. Um, so I, I think that's really the thing is that people are a little scared to test. And so on the small business side, it's more of just like getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and saying like, oh, if I have a 20 minute video and I'm sharing, you know, my product, right. And I'm sharing the insights for me as a founder about how good something is, then yeah, somebody's going to find that appealing. Right. Um, I think the thing where I sort of struggle when it comes to creative, right? Because it's like, oh, will any creative work? The creative that doesn't work is the creative that doesn't engage face to camera, right? If you just have a product and it's floating through, you know, beautiful scenery with just music, like, yeah, you can't expect that to work with real people looking into, you know, their computer waiting for content, right? Yeah. It's almost like a waiting room, okay? But if you have a founder of a small business who's willing to just talk to people, right, and they're, and they're able to sit there and say, hey, I don't have the creative for YouTube right now. It's like, well, what creative did you think would work, right? It's diving a little bit deeper to kind of ask them, like, you got to switch your understanding of it. I, maybe you don't understand the platform. And so when they say they don't have the creative, it's diving a little bit deeper to say, let us, let's, let us evaluate what you have. And then also, let me give you a better understanding of what works on this platform. And what mm -hmm. that is, is yeah. education inspiration or entertainment. And if you can fit all three or a combination of two in those, I think you can do pretty well and learn something. Um, but yeah, that would be my number one. Yeah, that is brilliant. And that is absolutely spot on. I did want to sidetrack and ask you, why do you think there's such a common misconception around YouTube and people thinking that it won't work without ever having tried it? Why do you think that is? I think it's people that don't use the platform, to be honest. You know, like I am part of probably... The, the minority to say that like I, I have YouTube red, you know, like I don't watch YouTube advertising. And so I think when people see YouTube advertising, it's sometimes on a huge screen and it's just like, oh, okay, how is that going to engage? Me? You know, mm. I don't think, I, I think some people don't use YouTube and so they think other people don't use it. And you find that like, yeah, you might not use it during this part of life, but you might use it later. Like I would, if, if you're trying to like, um, evaluate YouTube, ask what people use it for. You'll find that like 85% of the time, it's usually education. I'm going there to learn something. I need to figure out this thing because I don't want to read a manual, right? Like this is the type of stuff. You can run your spots in front of those, you know, like, like placements. And so it's an education of just like, this is what the platform can offer. And then if they still want to like battle against it, that's when you go to the, okay, it's the number three search engine with the most powerful medium that is video hmm. with the fact that you're not going to pay for them until after 30 seconds. Like you have a chance, 
we got a chance, mm -hmm. right? It's one yeah. of the platforms that you can literally look at. And before you even run an ad and go like, we have a chance, um, you know, on Facebook, nobody's going to watch more than 10 seconds of your video, but they could be more likely to convert, you know, because you're hitting them in a time where they're lean forward. I talk about the lean forward versus lean back. So it's, um, it, it's a platform that needs, I think, a little bit more explanation and understanding. Um, but it's tough to kind of find that reason as to why. Yeah, that's a, a brilliant way to put it. Thank you very much for sharing that. So let's move forward. You're talking to a prospective client. They're starting to buy into the idea of YouTube advertising. Then they hit you with the classic, what's the ROI of YouTube? How do you respond? I respond like every marketer since the beginning of time. It depends. Right? <laughs> um, the thing, uh, the thing that I always say when it comes to performance, and again, I'm going to paint this with a broad brush. So this goes for, you know, small business, B2B, big business, you know, e-commerce. Are you adding it as like 15% of your, of, of your test, you know, um, you know, budget, like things like this, like wherever YouTube fits, always understand when you're talking about the return on ad spend of it, it comes in insights and it comes in performance, right? Like you have to do the hard stuff, which is dig into the insights. And so if you can get conversions, that's the first thing. Test $1,000. See if you can get two conversions. What two placements did those two conversions happen on? It's a big step when you go to YouTube and you try to watch content and somebody puts an ad in front of you and then you can literally see, oh, they were going to watch this and they converted. Interesting, mm. right? This channel, yeah. right? This workout channel. Huh. Okay, that gives you insight on who that person might be, what app they might have, what website they were on that that YouTube video was embedded in. But again, you got to see the conversion. If you're savvy enough in analytics, you can create micro conversions like time spent, multiple pages. You can figure out how to add the cart, you know, like on analytics. Hey, man, you can get pretty close in terms of, you know, some of those levers. But that is one important piece that I think you have to look at in terms of the ROI of YouTube. Is that when somebody's staying with your video for a longer period of time, you're going to understand drop-off rates, but drop-off rates by age, drop-off rates by device, drop-off rates potentially by audience, right? Somebody in market versus somebody, you know, more top funnel versus yeah. somebody who's been to your web page or, or purchased your product. That type of insight helps you build a better customer, just like some of the stuff you might get on Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook. I just think you have them for a longer period of time watching your content so the creative piece of it and the insights about that are just another layer and that's where it gets kind of like oh what does that mean right mm. you put a black male and a white female in your video white female does better you know who to put on your next instagram app mm. like that type of insight you know you can also get so you get the creative insight you get the audience understanding of the placement it's a lot of different stuff you can help build you know a customer if you're maybe new Right. You want to know, like, who maybe is this? It's magnified when you take it down to the local level. Right. Because now it's just like I understand local. Like I have my restaurant, like I have like an understanding of what's here. But who actually like engages, who watches the 50 percent? All these different metrics help you build an understanding of your consumer. But as you know, from doing this, impressions, clicks, having your brand on YouTube is also a level that I think is important, just like being on a billboard. It just doesn't yeah. have that same amount of impact. It's like, I feel like society knows it's easy to put up an ad on a website or on Facebook, 
I think society thinks like, oh, if I see that out on YouTube, I might pay a little bit more attention to it. I feel like they put a little bit more time into it, right? So yeah. it has a little bit of that effect as well. But those are those are some of the things that I would say is that like when you think about performance of YouTube, have the insights next to the actual performance, especially when showing a client, and they will be, you know, I think, um, I think, I think impressed. Yeah, that is brilliant. And I'm absolutely going to pick your brains about data visualization shortly. But your answer to that question, 10 out of 10, has made me, well, led me very nicely to, to this. Super detailed, super granular. Already, I think people who have listened up to this point will be furiously making notes. That is a really granular and detailed way of how to analyze the performance of YouTube. So I'm quite keen to to learn from you or ask you, what's the most unique or interesting way that you've seen youtube being used yourself something that stopped you as an advertiser and made you think hmm this is cool i provide this case study a lot because i think it's a one that everybody can go access you know and i think i should get a bed for how much i, I we promote this company you know but it is such a valuable case study and it's about purple.com and so if you go to the purple you know youtube channel i would like you to look up like the goldilocks video and then the Sasquatch video. And this is one of the things that we learned in YouTube that I think is so valuable for people to know. This Goldilocks video, where there was an egg test, where we dropped eggs on this bed and we saw if the eggs could break or not, showcasing you know, the, um, the value of the bed and the way of testing it, right? Like showing like, um, you know, how, how this bed was so comfortable that not even eggs would break, right? That sold so many beds, that video. Like even on YouTube, tons of conversions, right? But we also ran a Sasquatch video and that video didn't do too well in sales. But what we found is that that thing drove so many earned views. And what earned views were, were people that went to that, that went to the purple YouTube channel and subscribed, watched more videos, you know, started to just engage more because they were so enamored with the Sasquatch. That type of learning allowed them to not go ahead and build more Goldilocks videos. But to go build more Sasquatch videos is like they knew what to use in retargeting to convert them. But how do you bring people into the brand? And so, again, those key insights that like you only get on the YouTube platform, like you don't get a metric like that on somewhere like Facebook. Right. They won't even they won't even let you target non followers. <laughs> so the earned view is something very special because I think it shows like top funnel, like engagement, you know, better than just a click to your website. Right. Like somebody wouldn't watch another video like on your on your YouTube channel. And so to be able to do that in like 2017 and understand that and magnify that and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in building Sasquatch creative and pushing that content to build a bigger brand. Yeah, that's what you get on YouTube. And you think you didn't take that information and throw it on Facebook, too. The fact that like, oh, this was our most engaging character or series. Right. Um, but that is like one very unique interesting way um that we've seen like a brand catapult and then there was another one recently and i don't know if it was joe that said this one but i found this one to be amazing and we're testing this right now and it's working beautifully and that's the ability to have an influencer in your video that is mid to high tier and you can check like the search volume of them but then retarget their their um their um their name in search if they get enough on youtube and so we've been testing this with like YouTube creators and it's like, oh, right. Like if that influencer, you know, you're doing an influencer deal or whatever, and you've got them going in your video, 
you retargeting them, their, their name and search is not something that can, they can necessarily control because it's the intent of somebody else, right? Mm. And so if you think about that user, they could easily go to their website, but you're not going to have a pixel on their website. It's like you're able to see their users now come to search and type in like, oh, new video, you know, things like that. And that, that creator doesn't necessarily have control over it or probably thinking about it of it today. It's like a very new tactic, I think. But that, again, very unique and interesting for us. Definitely. Thank you very much for sharing that. That is really interesting. And already looking forward to this case study when you write it up. And I've absolutely pressured you into doing that now. So no pressure. <laughs> we'll get it done. But yeah, look, I wanted to go back to uh, one of your earlier answers where you talked about having performance metrics alongside YouTube and visualizing that data. So I'd love to just pick your brains about a data visualization. And I've heard you in the past talk about Power BI. Why would you recommend people use this? And what examples can you share with the listeners of great visualizations that you've created yourself? Um, all the visualizations that I've done that I don't think that clients or partners, you know, seeing what's out there would probably either be my YouTube channel or probably the most recent Hero Conference um, that I did. Those are probably the only two, I think, videos that are out there, but I'm sure there's more to come. Um, <laughs> I've got a personal bias with Power BI. I think it's going to be probably the biggest change to marketing and advertising. You know, when um, when uh, when I, when I think marketers really take advantage of it, because I find it to be, you know, not as complex as people think. And when used for marketing and advertising data, I think that we have the best data sets of all different industries, better than finance, real estate, restaurant, all of it. And it's because like our data has to do with creative, but also like it makes money. There's intent behind it. I can watch a behavior over time and how it changes. And so being able to put this on a dashboard and visualize it, I think, has been special for our company, special for our clients. And I think, um, you know, as somebody who's worked in an agency and has to go to battle and prove results and talk to clients and go through those daunting calls, the good and the bad, I think these are the tools that we need to have those tough conversations. And I think that it's tools that we're able to build so freely in Power BI. It reminds me of Photoshop. And so if you can think about like an infinite universe of, uh, of abilities to, to be able to create. And I think what we're finding too internally is that when given a data set, right, me and you or me and somebody else, the dashboards are going to be different. And it's all based on our experience and our understanding based on the clients that we've worked on. Right. So it gets um, it gets awesome. You know, the stuff that's being created and, you know, how people are responding to, it. you know, it's been very positive. Yeah, that that's brilliant. Uh, so I wanted to ask you again, another sidestep question. So for me, my experience of Power BI is either using or manipulating dashboards that have already been created, never built one from scratch. But there's certainly a perception over here in the UK when it comes to visualizing data that, data studio oh look there's so many ready-built templates i could just drag and drop my data into here how much of an impact do you think that has on people not wanting to sort of branch out and learn about power bi more do you think that that really has a detrimental effect or what are your thoughts on the differences between the two yeah i mean i think people love something that's you know a little easier you know to accomplish the task that they're going to accomplish right like i mean if something is more simpler if, if if, if I can get an iPhone versus an Android, gosh, I went to that example again, you know, <laughs> such a hater. Sorry for that. Big love to all his Android users. Um, 
No, man, I, I fully believe that there are a lot of tools out there. Ad stage is another tool, you know, um, Ninja Cat. There's so many different ways that you can do recording and visualize, you know, the data. I just think that we prefer Power BI, you know, and it's because it's more like Photoshop to us. It's a freer environment, you know, for us to really manipulate things. Because the one thing that I think working at agencies that I've always disliked is how they make clients fit into a box. You have to use my program. You have to log into, you know, like my, you know, website and view your data. Mm. And if it needs to change, it's got to change for everybody, for every client, you know, like it only works one way. Whereas in Power BI, like everything for our clients is customized, you know, like they'll have customized things. They're all unique. And so I have to be able to build something that's a little bit more unique. Take a template, but, you know, optimize it a little bit. Um, I think also Google Data Studio is great because it hooks in like so much data directly from Google. Mm. Like it's Google, it's data studio, just like Google analytics is amazing. Mm. Like let's not, let's not deny the simplicity of it and how much faster potentially a media buyer is leveraging Google data studio. There's no denying, you know, that the impact of, of the visualization that they have, the purchase of looker, I believe that they, that they, that they did. And, um, you know, what's been done. I just hate when the things go down. You know, that's my other problem is when Google Data Studio goes down or somebody's, you know, in the comments or on Twitter, like, oh, I hate this thing. It's so slow. And it's just like, I don't want to deal with that because what am I going to do? Are my clients going to ask for a refund? You know, if they don't get their reports on time, right? It's like, Corey, this is what I pay you for, Mm. you know, to have this delivered, to have this meeting every single week. Like, I don't see you pressing buttons behind the scene. I'm not checking, you know, your history and everything. And so... I got to make sure that like things are, um, you know, very much like there for my clients. And so they have everything. And so trusting Google Data Studio, knowing that all these other marketers are on there, too. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's like trusting Facebook, man. So but again, I would never I would never knock another you know, visualization tool or the way that people use it. It's just the way that we use it. And I just try to show people the way that we use it and kind of the value of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's brilliant. And for me one of the big limitations that I've experienced with data studio is that it's great for a week, a month, seven days, 30 days. If you start to look at a specific set of data or group of data that goes back 90 days, 120, a year, two years, you've got to wait for a while for that stuff to load. And then when you have so many different modules that are pulling in different data sets, you've got 10, for example, six will load, four won't, you've got to go back the time that you spent doing that is just immense. And you just think when you're doing that, so I've done that in the past where I've got a massive amount of data. I'm just thinking, God, that's an hour gone. That's two hours gone. So I wanted the point that I'm getting to here is if somebody's listening to this now, listening to you really selling the benefits of power BI, he's not on commission, by the way, if he is, I'd be taking 5%. (laughs) You, You can't see in the audio, but he's shaking his head now. (laughs) <laughs> Microsoft, send me a sweater, man. Send me a sweater. Send me a hat. Something, man. Come on. I wanted to ask you then. So, if people are listening to you now, saying all this really good stuff and interesting stuff about Power BI, where would you recommend that they go if they think, "Look, I want to learn more about this. What tools? Where would they go? How would they learn more about it?" Here's the thing with Power BI: is that it's a is that it's the data visualization tool, and it's a business intelligence tool, not built for marketing or advertising. Yeah, right? and so. I believe, and again, I don't know this, I don't try to claim this, that like, this is the first time we're ever seeing Power BI being used, you know, with marketing and advertising data. Um, I think Seer 
um, interactive with, you know, Will Reynolds. Um, he's got some great videos on it where he's a, where he actually shows you, you know, inside of his, you know, Power BI. Um, it's just from an SEO perspective, right? And so I use it mostly from a paid media perspective. Yeah. Um, and so if you look at my dashboards, they're more combining, um, you know, data together. And so when I think about like where you can learn this, it's really, really, really tough. I think you have to learn this system. You have to learn this tool and then you have to apply it to whatever your field is because it can work. It definitely can work. But if I was going to shout out any sort of, I think, you know, YouTube channel that I've learned from, it would probably be Enterprise DNA. That would be the one. And um, I think he's got great dashboards. They're just not marketing and advertising focused. And so what I do is I, I take a lot of like fundamentals, mm. right? You know, take the fundamentals and then apply and then go into like the Facebook UI and then go into like the, the, the Google UI and see how they're marrying the data together and, and come up with like, you know, your own sort of system. But that would be kind of my best recommendation. But I'm sure Microsoft has tutorials. I would say learn the platform, mm. you know, more than anything, because there's people that will build courses on this stuff and make millions of dollars, <laughs> I'm telling you one day. I just think it's early. I think this is what Photoshop looked like in 1990. It's the same exact thing, just with data visualization, which is a little less cool, but we're going to find some nerds to make it. Promise you, there's a few out there. <laughs> Absolutely. This has been fantastic, and I'm really honored that you have given up the best part of 30 minutes of your day to share some knowledge with me. But I also get to brag about the fact that I get to listen to this back when I edit it. So thank you very much for this. This has been brilliant. I wanted to, a couple of final questions for you. What few things, let's say up to three, what would you want listeners to take away from this episode with you? I would say when it comes to YouTube, insights and performance. Don't just give the client one, give them both. Like they got to have the, the, the audience insights and the performance. And you can get the audience insights from the video tab, looking at audience retention across demographic. You can get it from the placement report. You get it from the combination report. You get it from a lot of different areas, right? You compare the videos against each other. So many different things that you can do. So audience insights, as well as performance, make sure that you're analyzing both and giving all of that back to a client. Um, I think the other thing, creative on YouTube, right? If you're not testing multiple versions, different videos, etc., you're not leveraging one of the most important aspects of you know the platform. So don't start running a YouTube campaign unless you have two versions, even if you're going to spend $10. What you will learn in that first 30 seconds is so impactful. And so that's the next thing. And then lastly, Power BI for marketers and advertisers. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's going to be, I, I really think it's going to be game changing. But again, I will continue to, you know, present on it every chance that I get. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. Again, really valuable insights. Thank you very much, Corey. If people are listening to this and they wanted to learn more about you, your company, or follow you on social media, how would they do that? Um, I would say just at Corey Hinky on Twitter you know, at Corey Hinky on, you know, Clubhouse. Those are probably the two places that I'm at the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I said it at the start of the show, and I'll say it again now. If you are on Twitter and you see that people like Corey, Joe, Susan, Kirk are getting into a Clubhouse room together, add that to your calendar, clear your diary, don't eat, don't sleep, literally. I think you guys did one the other day, 
Um, and it was like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. <laughs> and I was in bed just listening. And I was like, this is the one. Years ago, I'd be watching nonsense on YouTube. Now I'm learning all about YouTube uh, from pros like yourself. So thank you very much for being a brilliant guest, dropping some absolute knowledge bombs. And as always, this is the part where I shut up now. So it's your episode. Final word on this episode goes to you. So within reason, open forum. The last word is all yours, my friend. Awesome. Um, Azim, I just want to say thank you, you know, for the opportunity. Uh, it's been fun as always. I think, um, yeah, I would say for, for marketers and advertisers, for your audience, you know, it's still the wild, wild west. There's still no ceilings in this industry. We have no idea where it's going. <laughs> and we have no idea, you know, what is going to be created next. And so I think it's just a beautiful time for everybody listening, you know, to, to take it serious. You know, because a lot of great marketers out there and advertisers and everybody's, you know, got their own, I think, um, their own swag, their own way they do things, you know, and their own success. It's so fun to see so many successful marketers and be able to, you know, connect with them on Twitter as well as Clubhouse in many different areas. So um, I'm excited to see, you know, the next generation as well as this, this generation do well. So, yeah, those are my final words, my man. Thank you again, Azim. Appreciate it. So that was another great episode in the bag. I'm really enjoying hearing from some brilliant people in this industry. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Spotify. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you are using. Tell a friend to tell a friend and hopefully see you for the next episode.